name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Glory be to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, now and ever and unto the ages of all ages, Amen. This is really, uh, I have to tell you a little confession, this is my favorite feast in the Coptic Orthodox Church. Um, the, the church is full of feasts. There's seven major lordly feasts. There's seven minor lordly feasts, or feasts of the Lord, Jesus Christ. There's seven feasts of the Holy Virgin, St. Mary. There's 12 commemorations and one feast of the Archangel Michael. Our church is a church which loves to celebrate. If our church had, couldn't have the ethnicity or ethnic heritage of Egyptian, it would probably be Spanish. People who are Spanish love to celebrate. You know, our church loves to celebrate. And this is a feast of true and genuine celebration amongst us as Christians. Why? Because in this feast, the character, the nature of God, who God is, is revealed. And hence the name Epiphany or Theophany. Um, theophany, Theo, God, Phania, uh, uh, vision. So Epiphany, when someone says, oh, I had an epiphany, like I, I got an idea, right? It usually means that I got an idea, but a, a little bit late. Like maybe not too late, but like an, like almost like an afterthought. Ep epiphany or Theophany, right? So that uh, Epiphany, a, a late revelation or a revelation in time or <coughs> Theophany, uh, the, the revelation of God. God is revealed. And the fathers tell us that God is revealed in this feast as Jesus is being baptized. We see who God is. Who is God in the Orthodox Church? God in the Orthodox Church is the Holy Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And um, some uh, people have been quoted saying that the, the, the theology of the Trinity is probably amongst the most obscure and incomprehensible doctrines in religion as a whole, not only in Christianity, just in all religions altogether. Um, uh, and I want to share with you a few reasons why the doctrine of the Trinity is not necessarily obscure and is not necessarily irrelevant but is deeply personal. I want to tell you, if we were to ask the apostles, is the doctrine of the Trinity obscure? First of all, they would have said, Trinity, what's that? Right? Because the word Trinity wasn't coined until, I think, in, towards the end of the first century um, of Christianity, or the first century of, of, the, of, of uh, you know, the Christian era. That said, they, the apostles knew the Trinity clearly. They clearly knew the Trinity. They clearly knew the God of the Old Testament, the God who is unseen, the God who in the Gospel today is said, begins by saying, no one has seen God at any time. That God. They clearly knew Him. And they clearly had heard of Him. And they had clearly had seen that He is ordering the world all around them. And that everything is in His hands and the wind and the sea and the waves and all of the elements and so on, being people that were relatively close to nature. They also knew the Son. They knew Him very well. They knew Him by His name, Jesus. They knew Him personally. They knew His, his, his tastes, His likes, His desires. They knew the things that, that irritated Him. Uh, they, knew, they knew Him very, very personally. When He appeared to them at, at, after the resurrection, Thomas falls down before him and says, My Lord and my God, when St. Peter recognizes him in his boat, early even before the call of discipleship, he says, Depart from me, O Lord, for I am a sinful man. 
He knew, they knew that there was something special about this man and they knew later on that he was God. And in the profession of St. Peter, which we say upon this rock, Jesus says, upon this rock I build my church. That is the profession, the confession of Peter, what he says, right? That you are the Christ, the Son of God. They knew him. They knew him to be the Christ, the Son of God, the Son of, naturally, the Father, right? And they knew the Holy Spirit. They knew the Holy Spirit in Pentecost. They knew the Holy Spirit when they found themselves casting out demons. Yesterday, they weren't casting out demons. Today, the demons, you know, tuck their tail between their legs, file their horns down and run, right? At the sight of the apostles. What happened? They're healing the sick. They're raising the dead, right? And they know, every one of those apostles knew that he was the same man yesterday as he is today. But today, he was... He was a God-bearer of a certain type. And he was carrying the Spirit of God. And when, the, and when on the day of Pentecost, the Spirit of God rushed through the room and was like an earthquake that shook the room and a mighty wind, for sure, for sure, they had personal experience of the Holy Spirit. So to the apostles, the Trinity wasn't some obscure doctrine. They didn't need to write theology. They didn't write theology about the doctrine, about, about the, the Trinity, because they knew the Trinity. The Trinity is a person, or three persons, but you know what I mean. Our God is a personal God. In fact, the fact that He is Trinity reveals that He is God, because He has a relationship, Father and Son, Father and Spirit, Spirit and uh, Son and Father, Son and Spirit and so on. There is a relationship between the persons of the Trinity. Without humankind existing in, in the first place, God had relationship amongst himself. And that is, of course, a relationship of love. In fact, when we do the sign of the cross, I was teaching this uh, in, in, our, in our Deeper in Christ meeting. This is sort of the, the teaching of how we do the sign of the cross in the Coptic Church. Until somebody taught this to me at a conference, I promise you, I didn't know this. Right? I was in like, I don't know, 20 years old or something. So you do the sign of the cross however you do the sign of the cross and do, do whatever you want. Look, I'm not telling you what to do. But I'm telling you, this is just what the church teaches. I'm teaching what the church teaches. And you do, you know, your own private practices of worship, however you do them, is between you and God. You put your thumb to your two, your, your, your third and your fourth finger. And then this finger, your pinky finger, is curved up upwards. And your index finger is curved over like this. So you have three yeah, some people are, are trying to contort their fingers into funny shapes. Don't get yourself tied into a knot now, right? Right? So your thumb to your, to your fourth and third fingers like this, okay? And then your, in, your index finger makes a little hook, right? And your pinky finger is, is pointing up like this. What is the end result? The end result is that you have all three fingers are facing each other. They're all touching and they're all facing each other because they're all in relation unto themselves, right? They're all in relation unto themselves. And then what's with the funny thing you're doing with your pinky and this finger? In Coptic, one of the deacons, maybe uh, Mina, can you stand up for us? <clears throat> Turn around, face the crowd. No, no, those tunics don't have them. Uh, uh, Mina Polos, I uh, just ask you to stand up for us. Yeah. Uh, and face face the crowd. So if you look at the top of the cross of, of, of on, on Mina's tunic, that's an alpha, right? And an alpha, an an, an alpha in in, uh, in 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 as a Coptic letter looks something like this, right? It's like an A with a you know with the little with the little thing hanging off its head, right? The little hoodie, right? And then 
the, the omega, the last letter in the alphabet, is like a W, like this, right? So he is the beginning. Thank you, Mina. Thank you for your participation. A big hand of applause to Mina. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Sorry for the embarrassing moment, Mina. Right? So, right? So, he is three in one. He is personal. He is personal. He is alpha. He is the beginning and he is the end. There is, he has no beginning and he has no end, but he is the beginning and the end of everything. So, this is, if you're not going to get a cramp in your hand, this is how we do the, how we hold our hand when we do the sign of the cross. And this isn't just some, this isn't just some ritualistic thing, but it, it should be. Like it was to the apostles, it should be to me a deeply personal thing. You know what the issue with the Holy Trinity is? I'll tell you, I'll tell you God what the issue, the issue that I have with you is. It's very simple. It goes something like this. If you look in Matthew chapter 8, you'll find Jesus goes to his hometown. And they bring him a man who's paralyzed. And he heals him. Now it doesn't say too much about the reactions of the crowd. It says that they say, isn't this the son of Mary? Like... He goes to his hometown. These are people who have known him for 31 years. And he goes and they, bring, and, and, and they bring him a paralyzed guy or he sees a paralyzed guy, a, 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 you know, a disabled person, and he heals him. I'm sure I knew what was going on through all their minds. Probably this was going on what was in the mind even of the man who was disabled. Like you had to wait 31 years to heal me? Like you couldn't have healed me 31 years ago? Like what's the big idea? Why, why did you have to wait till now? And even more so, I know who you are. I know where you live. I know your mom. I know this. I know that. Like you're one of us, right? Familiarity breeds contempt. It's not a verse in the Bible. It's just a saying that people say, familiarity breeds contempt. We often are very are wowed by novelty. By somebody new and somebody interesting and somebody... But somebody we've known all our lives turns out to be the son of God? Psh, come on now. Get real, right? The reality is, is that God himself, right? Is the one who is in us and in our very being. He's the one that gives us strength. He's the one that gives us breath. In the book of Job, he says, he, his spirit gives breath to the world. His spirit gives breath to the world. Like the very breath that we breathe is His Spirit moving within us. So, because we're so familiar with the Lord Jesus Christ, I worry that I'm like those folks that lived in Nazareth and say, this guy, I know this guy, I've known him all my life. He lives two doors down from me. And uh, just the other day, he borrowed milk from us or whatever, you know, right? How can, how can he be, how could he be the Son of God? I want to tell you that every day now, every day, God is surprising me through the mundane things in my life. And I'm, God has revealed to me, I'm having my own theophanies in the mundane things of my life. Now I look forward to the little, little goofy things in life, like doing laundry and doing the dishes and picking up after my daughter. Indeed, indeed, God is revealed to us and He wishes to reveal Himself to us. He wishes to be part of our every experience. If God is revealed to you with a divine revelation, doing the dishes, doing the dishes becomes holy, 
Doing the dishes becomes sanctified. Doing the dishes becomes something which you look forward to. In fact, somebody else doing the dishes, you'll trip and push them out of the way, let them break their leg, it doesn't matter, go to the hospital, let me do the dishes. So I can have a revelation, a revelation of God. I promise you, I promise you, the Lord Jesus Christ wishes to reveal Himself to us and reveal the Father to us and reveal the Spirit to us in even the most simple and mundane things. You'll ask me how. How is God going to reveal Himself to me in the mundane things of my life? Very simply like this. The moment that I choose to consecrate my actions for Him, I'm not cooking this meal for my family only, I'm cooking it for you, Jesus. I'm not doing these dishes for, for uh, my family only, I'm doing them for you, Jesus. I'm not doing this or that task or this or this chore only for whatever practical purpose it serves, but I'm doing it for you, Jesus. And I really do it in a way, in a manner which is fit for a king. I suddenly start to see that the king himself is there with me. And each thing that I do suddenly begins to have eternal meaning. And the things which were meaningless and mundane and frustrating and a, a, a task and a chore in my life suddenly become a privilege. The Lord Jesus Christ wishes to reveal to us the Trinity. He wishes for us to have a real and tangible experience with His Spirit. The, there is folks in the audience here who were in my Sunday school class maybe 20 years ago. And one day, I'll finish with this story in Sunday school, I made the grave error of telling them that the answer to any question that you could ever have in the universe is the Holy Spirit. And so every time I asked the question from then on, for the rest of the year that I had that Sunday school class, some random kid would put their hand up and go, the Holy Spirit. And inevitably, somehow, they weren't wrong. Indeed, indeed, the Lord Jesus Christ wishes to reveal to us His Holy Spirit, that He might join us in the mundane and simple things of our lives and reveal to us the, the beauty and the joy of knowing God and that you may know Him and I may know Him more in everything that we do, in our service, in our ministry, in our worship, in our quiet time, in, in our devotion to Him, in incense and candles and bells and lights, but also in the simple mundane things of our lives. May we know you more and more every moment of every day, Lord Jesus Christ. Glory be to you now and ever and unto the ages of all ages. Amen.